This is Paul Nobles from the Eat Perform Coaches course. I am sitting here with Jordy Milstein. Jordy is one of the main coaches for Eat Perform. She actually runs our intern program and she is sort of the reigning head honcho in the forums right now. And uh, she has been involved intricately in Eat Perform for a long time, but she started as an Eat Perform member. And so I'm going to have her talk a little bit about, you know, how that, how that all evolved. Um, I think it's also sort of interesting discussion to have um, the evolution of Eat Perform in her eyes compared to my eyes. And so that, that could be interesting. So, Jordy, can you talk a little bit about yourself? And then people will notice right off the bat that you're from Australia. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be the first thing. Um, yeah, so I am from Australia. I live in Melbourne. Um, and I joined Eat to Perform as a member almost two years ago now. And I've been on staff um, a little over a year. Um, started out sort of just doing a few hours a week and it gradually um, got more and more until I became full-time a few months ago and yeah it's been really um, really great to see how it's all grown especially this year like I know when I joined as staff there were in the um, staff Facebook group there were about seven or eight people maybe a couple more um, and now there's almost 50 so it's been um, yeah, lots of growing this year, which has been really fun to be a part of and um, really cool to just sort of get to know everyone and then meeting a bunch of people at the Granite Games actually face-to-face -face was really fun. Um, but, yeah, I uh, really enjoy what I do. I really enjoy being a coach and being able to help everyone through the things that I've been through as well. Um, and I'm still going through. And, so let's uh, let's yeah. talk let's talk about that in just a second. But what, one of the things that I wanted to kind of bring to to light, you know, is we often have people say, "Well, you know, you should have an out of the box, you know, um, gym program," which we are sort of working on right now, and we've actually had various things. What I don't think that a lot of people realize is that. I think when CrossFit started, it was like 2003 or something like that, you know, and really didn't, you know, by the time I took my level one in 2010, I think they had just reached a thousand affiliates. And then obviously they went on, you know, now I think they have 13,000 affiliates or something like that. Um, but what I don't think people realize is that if you went back to 2003, because we actually have um, Elizabeth uh, Darsh on our staff, and you know she was involved with CrossFit very early on, and it was you know you're sort of trying to play with what works and then what doesn't work, you know. Um, and Jordy actually heads, uh, you know, one of the things we sort of figured out really. Um, kind of late in the process it's actually hasn't been feels like it's been in place forever but when you first sign up for eat to perform you get a customized plan with your macros um and basically there's a team of only three people that do that and jordy's one of the three people that does that so can you talk a little bit about 
you know, your experience with, with that and just kind of like the evolution of, of what that has been. Because what, you know, on the one hand, I want people to hear your story. I want to hear the Eat Reform story. But I also want people to understand, like, as they're building their gyms, as they're building their processes, there's going to be a lot of failure and then there's going to be a lot of success. And I think the temptation is to go, well, okay, I'm a CrossFit affiliate or I'm Eat to Perform approved or, you know, these types of things. And even with these things as a backbone, you still sort of have to kind of figure out what your personal thing is, right? And so talk a little bit about, you know, um, what that's been like, you know, working with Caitlin and Christine on those numbers and, and, and kind of like the experience that you have with customers from that perspective. Um, well, the way it works now is a lot simpler than what it used to be. So we start, I mean, when I first came on staff, we were doing, we were giving out macros on the forum. So people would join, eat to perform, they'd come to the forums, they'd post a thread saying, I'm new, help me, what do I eat, what do I do? And whoever sort of happened to be on the forums at the time would jump in and um, give them their numbers. And we have now evolved that so that now they fill out a survey, which comes into um, a back system for us. And we go through and, yeah, myself, Caitlin and Christine um, all work to send out those forms, those macros with all of the starting information that they need. And um, it's, I mean, working with Caitlin and Christine is really super easy we all sort of know how much time we need to spend there have been some times where the influx of new members is just crazy and it's a real struggle to keep within our sort of 24 to 36 hour turnaround um but yeah it's i mean as far as setting people up um and seeing sort of where they're coming from and what their goals are and that kind of stuff it gives us a really nice idea of the sorts of people that are joining and where they want to go. And, um, you know, we say it all the time amongst the three of us as we chat nearly every day, but um, we always say how exciting it is to see people joining Eat to Perform that are, you know, maybe like a 35-year-old woman who weighs 200 pounds, but she ticks yes to her main goal being to gain muscle. And that kind of thing is just so exciting to see that people aren't joining Eat to Perform to you know, lose weight and get skinny, they're joining it to perform because they want to be better and do more and be a better version of themselves. So that's, that's always fun. That's a great, that's a great thing to segue into because I think that one of the temptations that, you know, a lot of gym owners, like kind of a pitfall that they fall into, um, is one of the reasons why sort of paleo challenges sort of like went crazy for, you know, I mean, when I first started, was right about the time that Rob Wolf got kicked out of you know got get kicked out of um, CrossFit HQ, and you know like Whole Thirty you know sort of filled that void, and you know it was sort of easy because you had like this list of food. Here's what you eat. Here's what you don't eat. You know, and you know it was really simple. And if you know you were an idiot, you know drinking a six pack of Coke a day and, you know, shoveling down M&Ms, you know, um, you know, it worked for a while. Right. But the problem is, is that, you know, it just in the wrong hands, it just got more extreme. 
And what I think was kind of the most interesting part about that is that if you're a gym owner, I mean, you really don't want to leave things in the hands of the customers in an uninformed way, right? And so, you know, if somebody's paleo approach isn't working, well, they just paleo harder, you know? And what, you know, Jordy's been able to do, what a lot of the, the Eat Form staff does, because one of the... One of the things about the coaches course, you know, we're not like saying to you guys, hey, here's your, you know, coaches course, go out and, you know, teach the world to perform. What we're really trying to do is sort of bring you guys into the fold, you know, and the people that you're working with or, or you know, just in some, in some cases, people just want a better understanding of the science of things. Um, we still support that, right? You know, we have... You know, Mike in the Mike in the groups. We have Brad in the groups. You know, a lot of the Eat Perform coaches are in the groups, and so what we're trying to build right now is some relationship with the gyms. I mean, we have an affiliate program through ClickBank.com where affiliates can promote. We don't really put that super out there unless you know you've gone through the coaches course, um, but the it is one way to get credit for customers um you know through your gym or through your teachings or something of this nature but what we often see is people will feel kind of isolated and that's sort of not the point you know the 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 point is to have people join so they can interact with Jordy and Jordy has has worked with you know literally tens of thousands of people and talk to all of them about their questions and stuff like that so if you have say 50 60 people in your gym maybe all of your situations haven't been addressed that's why like just kind of plugging into the system is sort of a a big part of the equation and so i think that that's that's one thing i kind of wanted to put out there but kind of the bigger point is you know kind of going off of what jordy's saying is as gym owners, the goal really needs to be helping people focus on getting better at exercise, you know, and, you know, when you put out a challenge, as an example, and it is, you know, uninformed, oftentimes athletes won't get better. You know, it always used to kill me when I would see, you know, like um, my gym, like the gym, the gym that I go to does paleo challenges and the first thing they tell people yeah for the first two to three weeks everything's gonna suck i'm just like wow we're still doing that after like so many years it just seems you know but i just don't think that gyms and and i have to you know i have to say from our perspective it's sort of hard you know to have something in place you know I mean, like you're saying, I mean, you've been an eat perform coach for a year, you know, you've been around for roughly two years. That's not a long time, you know? I mean, a lot of the concepts and stuff that, that we're talking about have been around for a long time. You know, the the ideas as it relates to strength and conditioning, you know, these are concepts that have been around for, you know, decades. But in terms of like introducing it to a mainstream audience, that's not really something that is is you know kind of normal at this point and so in terms of 
like your experience as a CrossFitter. Can you talk to me a little bit about like when you first started Eat Reform and then maybe kind of the transition? Because I mean, don't you feel like a little bit of responsibility like to be the example now? Whereas previous to that, you know, it was like you you could sort of get away with, you know, maybe some bad behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, um, when I started CrossFit, I was in the process of um, losing weight. I, that's why I started CrossFit. I lost um, 30 kilos a couple of years ago, um, uh, longer than that now, I think about four years ago, um, and started CrossFit a few months into that journey. And um, just kind of once I got to a point where uh, I guess I was happy with the progress and the weight loss that I had made, um, that was when I started getting more serious about my training and realising that it was really cool to be strong and it felt really good to be fit and to be able to do all of these things that I never could do. I literally, when I started CrossFit, I could not do a burpee. I couldn't get down on the floor and jump my feet back and jump my feet in and then jump up. Like I just I couldn't do it. I had to do them on a step. Um and so now, you know, four years later um, and two years into Eat to Perform, I'm a totally different person. Everything about my life is different to how it was back then. And Eat to Perform plays a huge part of that because beforehand, while, yes, I was getting stronger and, you know, my training was still good, it wasn't great. And that was just because I simply was not eating enough. I, I never... Um, I mean, I did go on a diet to lose weight, but it wasn't calorie counting. So I had no idea how much I was eating. And it wasn't until I found out about Eat to Perform and I actually thought, hang on a second, I wonder what I am eating. I realized I was eating about 1300 calories a day and training four times a week. And, you know, there's just, you can't go very far with that. So, well, you know, just to, just to stop you for just a second, because the, you know, first of all, like, when she talks about her early on experience at CrossFit, I mean, she literally competed in the elite division at the Granite Games, which, you know, other than that, there's what, like RX and Pro, you know? So, I mean, you were against some of the best people, um, you know, at the Granite Games. And so I would imagine that looking back four years, you know, you had to feel fairly accomplished, you know, I know we're all sort of critical of ourselves and we want, you know, to be better or I could have done this wrong or I could have done this right. But at the end of the day, you look back at that person four years ago and go, wow, I'm smoking that person. Yeah, for sure. And when I um, when I went to – when I came over to Minnesota and, you know, checked in and we got our athlete T-shirts and stuff and – um, Leonie, who was one of the girls, um, who's also a coach, she was on my team. We got back to the hotel and put on our athlete t-shirts and took a photo just for fun, you know, that it says athlete on the back and posted it on our Facebook profiles. And my dad, um, commented very quickly and said, I never thought one of my kids would be an athlete. And, um, that was, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, I mean, my brothers played soccer growing up and, um, we all sort of did various after school sports and that kind of stuff. But, None of us were ever um, sporty or athletically inclined. I was always the fat kid and, you know, really never, ever saw myself doing what I do now. 
And, um, yeah, I've definitely, like I said, my whole life is different to what it was four years ago, even two years ago. What I think is, like, awesome about your experience, I mean, first of all, there's, you know, you, Leonie, and Caitlin, right? And you're all roughly the same age. Um, And, you know, like, I... You know, it's, it's, it's almost like, I don't think of myself as old, but I feel almost fatherly to you three, you know, and, um, it is just fun. I think you guys really live the example, right? And, and that's a, that's a, the one thing that I remember someone talking about their diet program. Right. And, and, you know, they'd written many books and they have a very popular website and stuff like this. And the, and the guy was like, yeah, I really only do it like half the time. And every single eat to form coach eat to forms every single day, you know. And so we live that example every single day. And what I think is, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, the trials and tribulations of that. But when it's all said and done you know, there's a lot more done than said in the case of eat to perform coaches. And, you know, too many people, you know, I'll go ahead and do the, the keyboard thing because, you know, there's a lot of people that want to talk a lot about, you know, um, doing the work. And, you know, I mean, how many hours a week do you work out? Um... Probably between 10 and 12 hours a week across sort of five to six days. Yeah, I mean, one of the the elements, you know, that, you know, I've been talking a lot about lately in the coaches' um, calls with clients is that there's two people, right? There's there's Rich Froning and there's James Townsend. And you look at Rich Froning and he takes off his shirt and he is, you know, a well-built human being. And then you see James Townsend, and he's like a statue, you know, of muscle and just brute force. Rich Froning is obviously one of the fittest people on the planet, and he's comfortable working out three to four hours a day. James works out five to six hours a day, right? I mean, he's, he's modeling, he's athletic, you know, there's a lot of different things. And kind of the, the point between the two is that you can be a really good athlete working out three to four hours a day. You know, a lot of us don't work out that much, right? But to, like, really get that super physique, you have to put that extra effort in. And I think that, you know, we all need to be a little honest with ourselves about what we're able to do from a work side of things, you know. Um, and... I think that, you know, if a customer is frustrated, gym member, something of that nature, right? And you go, well, okay, you you showed up four times this week, um, which basically means that you did about 60 minutes worth of wads. You know, I mean, that's way better than sitting on the couch. But let's be realistic about the amount of work that you're putting in. You know what I mean? And so I think in Jordy's case, because her gym, actually, this was funny. Um, so when uh, Jordy's gym qualified for the CrossFit Games, so I'm on chat with her and I said, well, okay, I'll give you the option. You can either come to Minnesota 
or you know you and I can meet at the CrossFit Games and you could be with the people from your gym and she she chose to come to Minnesota um which I thought was crazy but you know it just really goes to show how I think you know there is sort of a family atmosphere amongst you know our staff you know um because we've built this from literally nothing you know and you know, one of the reasons why Jordy's sitting here talking to you right now is because she was a pillar of, you know, what has been built so far. Um, how has it been, you know, having, you know, good athletes as role models, you know, because obviously having CrossFit Games competitors, you know, it kind of ups the notch a little bit. It's funny, actually. I was talking to Caitlin about this literally about an hour ago. Um, we were both sort of saying now that we're, um, at the end of our first PFFL cycles that, um, you know, we both really just want to focus on getting stronger and faster because we have so many faster, stronger, leaner athletes around us every day. And I said, you know, said to Caitlin, it's frustrating, but it's also good motivation that I watch these guys work out and they're like, I, I don't understand honestly how they move as quickly as they do sometimes and you know there are girls at my gym that are um, snatching you know similar weights to what I back squat like it's crazy um, and yeah it's it's definitely good motivation we sort of I don't train with them necessarily because we have um, sort of group one which is the competitors and like the games athletes and that sort of level and then group two which is um, everyone else and um, yeah so they're all in group one I'm in group two but just watching them and seeing them around the gym and um, on Saturdays we all work out together as one big group so that's always fun but um, yeah it's definitely good motivation having people like that around. Yeah I mean I I, I, I just always think that you know because there was something that came up recently where somebody was talking about you know the value of of having um, good athletes and their coach said something negative and you know I kind of chimed in and said you know it's there is a lot of value to knowing what it's like to work really hard I mean so you work 10 to 12 hours a week how, how much more would you say that the games competitors you know work than you or do you think that they just have you know a genetic gifts um, it's probably a bit of both. Um, I know that I, my biggest struggle with CrossFit is, um, my engine. And I know that, that they'll all beat me in a cardio based wide any day of the week, even if I'm trying my best, just because that's not my strength. My strength is my strength, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I would say like a lot of when I mean, when I say that I train 10 to 12 hours a week, it's, look, it's probably a little bit more than that, but it's not all CrossFit and lifting. I also do two to three hours of gymnastics, um, sort of focused training, working on, you know, like muscle up progressions and handstands and that kind of thing. Um, and I do some lifting focused training. And then I also do five to six CrossFit sessions a week. Um, but, you know, the, the difference is, and I didn't realise this until I first um, visited another CrossFit box overseas, but at my gym we have to be there 15 minutes before the class starts to warm up beforehand. 
And then as soon as the class starts, like the class starts, we don't warm up together. So that hour that we're there is working out the whole time, whether it's, you know, 20 minutes of strength and then a couple of wads or maybe longer strength and one shorter wad or something. But that full hour is a full workout. And then there's always optional extra stuff to do on the board too. But I'd say the games athletes probably do more strength work than what um, the group two CrossFit classes do. Um, as far as hours, it's probably, it's hard to say. It, they probably do a little bit more, but I, honest, I wouldn't say that they do a whole lot more. But they have one huge advantage over you, right? I mean, first of all, they, they potentially have genetics over you, but they've probably been fit most of their life. Yeah. And so you're still kind of catching up to that. And I think that, you know, don't you feel like that's a realistic conversation that we need to have with athletes? Like, in your case, I mean, you know, I mean, it just brought tears to my eyes because I feel like, I feel like, you know, the, <laughs> I mean, it's just interesting to me that this all started from, you know, me blogging, you know, I didn't think of this as a business. I mean, I, I'll fully admit to you that, you know, um, I'd created businesses in the past. And so when there was interest in what I was, you know, the research that I was having, I mean, I had a lot of resources available to me because of, um, you know, because of, you know, I've been successful, you know, in my life. And so I could buy coaching and I could hire Mike Nelson. I could hire, you know, trainers and things of that nature. And so as I was experimenting with this stuff, you know, I first started writing for, I don't know, like, I don't even know. I think it was Wad Talk magazine. Um, that was my first. And, and you know, I, I wrote a couple articles for them that were the most popular articles that they'd ever had, you know, because it was, and, and, and it was sort of surprising to me because what I was talking about was what we ultimately started talking about with Eat to Perform, you know, was that to perform as an athlete and continuously getting better as it relates to you, that there needed to be a food component. And so when I, before I started going to CrossFit, I was eating about 3,000 calories like you. I wasn't really counting calories all that much, right? But I knew that... Um, I had some check-ins with calories. I wouldn't even say that my fitness pal was even that big of a deal when, when I first started. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like five, I would say five to seven years ago, those things, you know, weren't as good as they are now, right? And then when, that's what, one of the things I was going to talk to you about. Um, when you first started off, we were still sort of talking through people without really talking about counting right there was kind of like this inner struggle within eat to perform where we wanted people to not feel like they were going to be burdened by counting all the time and i still want them to feel that but at the end of the day if we're going to coach them efficiently and we're going to have to help them solve the pieces of the puzzle for themselves we have to have some data points, you know, without yeah. it, we're just guessing. Right. And so, so that's, but I think, I think that, you know, I mean, I remember my, like my journey is similar to yours, right? Like when I first started CrossFit six months to a year, 
I thought, man, I'm gonna smoke these masters soon, right? Because I'm I'm improving so much so fast, and then you like just hit that wall, and then you know, luckily you're at, you're at a gym where the way that they train, you understand that you have to focus on gymnastics, you have to focus on these things, and you know, the what I what I think that a lot of athletes want to believe is that they can just eat chicken and kale and get abs and they want to believe that they can wad four days a week and you know and get and become a phenomenal athlete and that's just not factual right you know like sometimes and and i I want this to be like a really big part of the the coaches course you know especially as we start to introduce the bonus segments that you know you can take an athlete from where Jordy and I were to a very capable athlete, but to take them to that next level, they really need to put in a little bit more work and effort. And maybe they, maybe they, maybe that's not something that they want to do, which is fine. You can still enjoy the community. You can still enjoy the process, you know, but you know, you can't also then say, I don't understand why, you know, I'm not seeing the hard work that I'm putting in in the gym. It's like, well, I get it. You know, after your 15 minute wad, you're laying on the floor, you know, bacon sizzling, you know, and that was hard for you, right? But that's not a massive amount of work. What now? Yeah. Then then you pack up and go home, and that's you know that's a day's work. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like, I think from your perspective, you know, you have youth on your side, so you can, you know, bang on your body a little bit more than like this old guy, right? Um, hold on, my, my internet. I'm surprised that actually that, that didn't happen previous to this. Um, I have to often think of what am I going to cancel if I shut this down? Um <laughs> But, uh, so the, the other, um, kind of moving on from, from there. So you recently did a performance focused fat loss phase. And, um, I would say that the results for you were sort of unspectacular, right? And so, um, what would you say? I mean, like, cause I think that. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because I want to, first of all, talk about it and see if we can kind of, you know, sort through things a little bit. But also I want the coaches to understand that it's not linear and these are some of the conversations that you need to have with clients. And the problem with, you know, a 30-day challenge or, you know, all these like extreme type things is it sets people up to believe that they're supposed to get extreme results, right? And you did not get extreme results. So why don't you talk a little bit about, uh, cause I know your weight stayed relatively stable. You'll, you're going to do a DEXA scan soon to see whether or not, you know, you gain some lean mass, but you were telling me before this that, you know, the mirror, you know, seems roughly the same. Yeah, I mean, I 
I would be very surprised if I come out of the DEXA scan without some sort of positive results, but I'm not expecting anything groundbreaking. My weight, I'm on day 54, I think today I've got four days left, um, and my weight this morning is exactly the same as my starting weight. Um, the first few weeks, look, I've, if I'm being totally honest, I've been hungry <laughs> for the last eight weeks, um, and that that hasn't been fun, but I can deal with it. The things that I've found really difficult, uh, um, particularly in the last probably two or three weeks, that my energy levels are noticeably lower um, sort of towards four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Um, training has been suffering a little bit. Um, things feel a bit heavier than they should. Uh, you know, Metcons feel a little bit harder than they should and that kind of stuff. So I guess that sort of stuff has is expected but um having all of those sorts of things for eight weeks and not seeing positive results is is frustrating um and look at the end of the day i did a pffl cycle so that i know what it's like when members do it so that i can be a better coach and i can say to them you know this is what happened when i did it i didn't see great results but you know, this is what came out of it or these whatever. The, yeah, these are, the um, these are the lessons I learned. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm very glad that, I, you know, I was on, on each perform for over a year and a half before I started my first cut. And I am very glad that I did that because before I started, I was eating 3,000 calories a day and some cutting on, you know, 2,500 calories. And, uh, well, Cutting is probably a loose term to use at this point. But, yeah. So, um, so let's. Well, let me just stop you right there. So, so basically, you know, can you talk? What's your height and weight? Uh, height is five, 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 four. Okay. Um, and this morning, this morning I was one hundred and fifty nine pounds. Okay. So basically, about average. Um, any idea what your body fat percentage? was the last, the last time, time you did I had it? yeah the last time I had it checked was in March so it was actually a while ago and it was 24.1%. Right. So like look relative to most people I guess I'm on the leaner side but um you know I was saying to Caitlin this morning that I still for the things that I want to be able to do I know that I need to be a little bit leaner um but I also need to be stronger and so that's where once as soon as I come off PFFL I Honestly, I'm sure I would like the scale to be closer to that 150-pound mark, but I'm, if I'm getting stronger and the scale doesn't move, then I really don't care what the scale says. It's sort of funny because I, I have to be the one to kind of be the bearer of bad news in, in multiple instances. So, you know, Jordy's eating 3,000 calories, working out great, you know, proving as an athlete, this and that. And then I'm like, you know, performance focus fat loss, you know, but we didn't, we don't, you know, we didn't make you do it. You know, you just did it. Yeah. You did it because you wanted to have a shared experience with the customers. Um, and I would say that that's probably Caitlin's and Leone's experience as well. Um, yes. so you're, I, you're, I guarantee though that the three of us will probably never, ever do it again. <laughs> right. So I'm going to talk to you about that too. Um, and, and how you can get leaner without doing that. Cause I think that's also another discussion that coaches need to have with clients. Right. Um, and, and you're gonna, you're gonna love this part. Um, 
So your PFFL numbers are what? My, my macros? Yeah. Well, no, they've your, changed your calories. Um, they've changed since the start. I started on, I think, 2,415-ish calories on training days. Okay. Um, and then 2,200 on rest days. Now, um, I realized pretty quickly that my body did not respond well to big deficits as far as my Fitbit burn goes. So um, if I had a burn, uh, sorry, a deficit sort of anywhere between four and 500 calories, my weight would go up. So I increased my calories so that my deficit was closer to sort of 300 to 400. Um, and now I'm eating, yeah, around about 25 to 2,600 calories a day. So I'm training. Yeah. So, you know, you were eating 3,000 previous to that. You're still eating 25 to 2,600. I mean, the problem that I think the answer to your problem is ultimately that you don't want to give up your training in, to sacrifice, you know, because, you know, I mean, it doesn't take a, you know, it doesn't take like a health professional, you know, to realize that, you know, hey, Jordy, why don't you just go down to 2,100 calories and then, you know, we'd obviously see a little bit more of a result. But she's consciously telling you something and then, you know, you will have clients that tell you this and then you have to tell them that's okay. Like that's okay to go, you know what, being super, I mean, obviously 24.1 for a lot of people is like completely and totally nailed it, right? So, you know, there's no shame in being 24.1 and you're probably better than that now, you know, because even, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize during the performance-focused fat loss phase is that even if you don't lose weight, you know, your body uses nutrients better, Right. And so, you know, we've had numbers of examples where people didn't lose weight, but they gained three to five pounds of muscle, which isn't going to like blow you away. I mean, cer certainly if you, if you lost weight, you know, we, we've seen instances where, you know, people have lost 10 to 15 pounds and then gained five pounds of muscle. Well, you know, the, there's some extraordinary circumstances there, there. If you've been working out for four years though, you know, the amount of success usually isn't near as high, right? Usually, <laughs> usually, yeah, I usually for someone to go from 24.1% to under 20%, it really, it, it doesn't always come down to PFFLs. Oftentimes, you know, like Jordy's saying, you know, unless they get, unless they just sell out. I mean, one of the, one of the things that's sort of interesting you know, in having conversations with CrossFit Games athletes, I mean, I've had multiple conversations with people and trying to explain to them, look, your workouts are going to suck. That's just the way it is. And you have to deal with that for the next month and a half. And, you know, in in the case of Jordy, I wouldn't say that the, you know, there's no overwhelming pressure, you know, to get down. Right. You know, she's not going to, you know, either make regionals or not make regionals based on that. You know, if you look at somebody that 
you know, is trying to win the CrossFit Games, obviously their motivations tend to be a little bit better. And so if they're carrying more fat than, you know, is probably something that, that would benefit them, because you, you don't want, for instance, you know, I used to say that Rich Froning's 10% body fat, and then people were like, dude, there's no way. Rich Froning is totally 4 to 5% body fat. And then we started testing all these guys, right? Um, and Nick Urankar, 10.5%. You know what I mean? These guys, that, that they just have a lot of muscle on their frame. And what they don't, what a lot of people don't realize is that these guys need that extra fat on their frame so when they're going a little bit longer, they can have something to pull from. And so I think that that's sort of interesting. But the motivations as you're talking to people, right, and as they're starting to give up, you know, on what they used to believe their goals were. If an athlete's saying, you know what, honestly, I can't do this. I don't want to do this because I just enjoy getting better as an athlete. If you're a gym owner, I mean, you just basically just sign that athlete up for another two years, right? Three years, whatever, right? They, you're, they're, they're in it to get better as an athlete. So let's talk a little bit about, so Jordy's saying she, she never wants to performance focus fat loss phase again. I am also in that same, same boat. Um, and the difference between what Jordy did and what I did after the Granite Games is what I think would highlight the differences. So, one, one thing that we're seeing, for instance, all the people in our, in our um, group coaching program, they have athletes. And what an athlete does is it helps athletes discover how they're recovering. And that was last week's webinar in the coaches course with Simon. And so what we see a lot with our games competitors, people that do CrossFit, people that power lift, people that do relatively similar things most of the time is their recovery rate's actually pretty good, right? So they're always getting greens and they're getting 93s and they're like, hey, I'm awesome. I'm recovering great. And then I kind of burst their bubble because I always have to be like the bearer of bad news. Like you're not supposed to be 93 all the time. You're supposed to be 93 and then like kill yourself in a workout to get to 71. So your body adapts to that and then you get to 97. That's how you get better as an athlete. You know, actually Simon talks about like the best people that he's seen are Australian rules football players, you know, and they routinely HRV over 110 because, um, you know, the, the scale is, is, it's not at 100 as an example. And so for Jordy to get better or to continue to lean out, um, it's going to require some level of specificity. So if she's good at strength, it's probably not going to require more strength. She's already good at that, right? Um, if it's if she's good at gymnastics, you know, um, for most people, it comes down to long endurance, you know, um, and it comes down to, you know, is what you're doing working, right? 
And if it's not working, then you have to try and play with something that doesn't work, you know. And so, you know, the thing that's interesting about long endurance, and I thought it was interesting in our discussion with Doug Chapman, because he doesn't have people do like marathons and stuff like this. What he does is he has them ruck um, for like two hours where, you that know, they're carrying it with Yeah. What is, what is rucking? It's like, it's like uh, you have a pack. And um, it's weighted, so you ca- you carry around thirty pounds in your pack, and then it's not really like a hiking pace. Um, I mean, you can do it that way, but it's really more of a kind of a you're you're trying to do like one of the one of the the tests. I believe is <laughs> I, I wasn't anywhere close to this. Um, I think in four and a half hours, you have to do 18 miles. And I think in four hours, I did 10 miles. So that should give you... Now, we weren't really pushing it. It was our first time, you know, and it was sort of leisurely. But what was funny about it was there was someone actually doing a ruck while we were kind of like looking at fall collars with 45 pounds in our pack, right? Um, And we noticed immediately... What he was doing was a lot harder than what we were doing, but it was our first time. And but I think I think the important part, you know, kind of in how I would advise Jordy to get better as an athlete and ultimately get leaner as a result is not to say you should run or you should row more or you should do whatever. You know, in the case of a games athlete, you would certainly want you know something very specific. But in the case of Jordy, you know. It might be roller skating. That might be a hobby that she enjoys, you know, to do for three to four hours, you know, a week. And that would add an amount of work that would allow for her to, you know, get leaner. Um, And so, you know, oftentimes what we'll see, um, I think that you have to find that kind of balance, right? Are you going to be willing, you know, to go to 2100, you know? And if the answer is no, then the only other option is to go the opposite way as it relates to work, right? Um, and so, I mean, do you feel like that that's a accurate assessment for what your situation is, or, or do you still feel kind of confused? Um, no, I think. Look, I would I be willing to drop my calories that low? No, not a chance. Um, I, like I said, I've been hungry for the last eight weeks and it's been, um, manageable, but not enjoyable. Um, and I'm very excited to start adding more food again next week. But, um, I also know, you know, that the biggest thing for me, like I said, the main reason that I did PFFL in the first place was so that I know what it's like, um, so that I can be a better coach and, um, having, having such an impact on my energy levels and my training is a, a huge downside for me. And that's, that alone uh, would be why I won't do another one. Um, but I think like I was pretty happy before PFFL. Um, I was pretty happy with where I was as far as my training and um, improving and, you know, what I was eating and that kind of stuff. And like I wasn't making any huge um, gains as far as, fat loss goes, but I felt good, I felt strong, I felt capable, um, you know, if I was hungry, I would eat, if I wasn't hungry, 
maybe I wouldn't eat so much, you know, that kind of thing. I was pretty happy with where things were. So I'll sort of aim to get back to that and, you know, see what happens after that. And if I'm still um, at some point in a few months' time, if I still want to look at getting leaner, then, yeah, I'd probably look at um, adding in some sort of more low-intensity endurance type stuff. I will not be running a half marathon anytime soon, but yeah. um, <laughs> something, yeah, something low-intensity, long-endurance um, could definitely go in the mix because I don't really do anything like that right now. But Yeah, I mean, I, just think, kind of- I think that, you know, what's interesting about contrasting your situation to my situation as it relates to the Granite Games is that I think at the Granite Games, I probably would have competed about 172, 173. When I ended my performance focus fat loss, I, I was at 166, right? And um, I found it very difficult. And this is actually something I was having a discussion with a client today. You know, even before I ever got fit, okay, there was always one number that played, you know, on the scale, right? It was 185 pounds. And... You know, right now I'm 175. Um, I've seen once, you know, when I came back from Vegas, I was 179.6. And so, you know, in, you know, what, four or five days, you know, I dropped five pounds. That's an example of when you're eating high sodium foods, you know, eating more than you probably normally would, you can see your, your weight go up. Um, but what's, what's most interesting is that since the, the Granite Games, I think I left the Granite Games and like that Friday I did 12 miles. And since then, you know, I've worked up to 16 miles and I've done multiple sessions that are 10 and 13, right? Like right in there. And I have sort of changed my focus to a little bit because, um, I, you know, part of the thinking was kind of like marathon or bust, right? And that I was going to like every Friday do kind of like, the equivalent of a marathon and I think just from like a time standpoint I've sort of settled in with you know I'm going to just do three hours you know and um, that has been really nice for me because you know you pointed this out earlier a lot of people go to the gym for an hour but they don't work out for an hour right (laughs) you know and so like on Friday as an example, you know, which is my longer sessions, you know, I will work out three hours, you know, and so, so that, that, that's a lot of time. Now, yeah, it's not the intensity of a wad, but, you know, the calorie burns tend to be 2,000, 2,500. That's a lot of work, you know, and so from a body composition standpoint, my body composition has changed dramatically, you know, um, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, more muscular. My lats are bigger. I've been really working on my glutes and quads. Um, and I think that that's what, you know, coaches need to really sort of emphasize to athletes, right? You first join CrossFit, you get really super better, you know what I mean? And then, you know, you're like, well, you know, there's got to be a food component. And, you know, maybe they were going home and drinking a 12 pack of beer and, you know, they cleaned some of those things up. But at some point, you know, you kind of got to make a realistic, you know, call, right? You have to say, am I really trying to get better as an athlete here? Um, Because if I was, I would be doing this, you know? 
And, you know, we have open gym at, at the gym that I work out at. Um, I don't own a gym. Um, so a lot of times I'll say, you know, my gym, I mean the gym that I go to. Um, but I'm my, my, myself, my wife, and maybe one other person will take advantage of, of, of open gym. Well, you know, how are you going to get stronger if you're not doing that specifically or you're not working on gymnastics and stuff like that so i think that those are things that are are sort of important to this discussion um so you know playing with the work element i think and then really like focusing on like the patience thing um but here's here's what we talk about you know privately um, and we, we've mentioned it a few times. Um, if you join Weight Watchers, right, there's only one measurement for su success. Did you lose weight, right? Jordy's telling you right now, you know, there were multiple reasons why she would have done a performance-focused fat loss. And she's talked about two or three things that she's learned in the process, right? Um, and, and what she's no longer willing to give up, you know, and I think that that's, you know, there are certainly athletes that may have more fat to use, right? And, I, I, you know, we try to have them focus on, you know, fat's just energy that you're trying to release, you know, by doing a certain amount of work. I think that that's a mentality change, but, but, but I want to stay focused here. If a client is only judging their success based on I lost X amount of weight, you're going to lose that client at some point. That's why we don't focus on that. You know, um, well, first of all, that's not the only reason why we don't focus on it. I don't think that that's an accurate measure of whether or not you're better or thriving as a person. But, you know, one of the, the three things that we talk about, you know, are you... Are we changing your relationship with food? Are you changing your relationship with yourself? And then are you getting better at exercise? And once those three things are in place, because I think what happens with Eat to Perform is people join Eat to Perform. And, you know, and if you're bringing your athletes in, you need to know that those are the three most important things for us. Because if you can't get those three things right, you're going to always be lost because you're not going to be focused on the right things that are going to allow you a, a more patient approach to, you know, your relationship with food, your, you know, time in the gym. I mean, you, you certainly, I mean, when you first started your journey, be honest, I mean, like you sort of worked out to earn food, right? I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll fully admit that, you know, like a, but but nowadays, like like when I came back from Vegas, um, you know I, I cleaned things up, you know the the one day that I came back, and you know I ate you know less than I normally would eat you know going into a workout day the next day. Well, that day's workout wasn't that great, <laughs> you know what I mean. And I was willing to sacrifice that because you know I kind of overdid it you know, as I should, you know, on a vacation. Um, so, you know, sometimes, you know, saying to your athletes, hey, look, you know, I mean, 
if you want to clean things up a little bit, mix in a salad, you know, have a steak without, you know, three mashed potato, uh, three, three baked potatoes, that's probably okay today. Um, but, you know, when you can change what success looks like, I think that changes everything, you know. Hundred um, percent. I'm. I get. Um. You know. I get more excited about PBing my clean or my snatch than I do about fitting into <laughs> PB. <laughs> <laughs> like the what 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 people probably don't realize what I'm laughing at, and maybe they thought it was funny too. But like here, it's a PR. There it's PB. Here, PB is peanut butter. So I'm thinking, oh, she's pe having peanut butter, you know. But go ahead. <laughs> um, but no, I, you know, I get more excited about that kind of stuff than I do about fitting into a smaller size clothes or seeing a, a lower number on the scale. Like like I said earlier, if I would like to get the scale down purely because um, I would like to get my body type percentage down. But at the end of the day, if I'm getting stronger and I'm feeling better and faster and healthier and fitter and more capable, what the scale says really means nothing. But Danny Horan's your same weight. She's like 12% body fat. You know what I mean? What's the difference? She can do a lot. Yeah. She, she can do a lot more work, you know? I mean, yeah. and, you know, I mean, it is sort of interesting because I've seen, like, you know, when she first started CrossFitting, which was, you know, six years ago and stuff like this. And, you know, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, your stories aren't vastly different. You know, um, you know, when you look at pictures of her, they, you know, probably look similar to pictures of you when you first started off. You know, um, it's just I, that's where the genetic component, I think, does come into play a little bit. Um, yeah, look, I, I've often thought that um, I would be in a much better place and my journey would have been a lot easier if I had started my journey at. I'm going to talk in kilos now because yeah, the pound thing makes less sense. But, you know, I often think that I, I'd be – my journey would have been a lot easier if I had started at 65 or 70 kilos rather than the 96 kilos that I did start at. So there's definitely a difference in, you know, people that are more athletically inclined and have been not necessarily athletes but have been fitter and um, – I guess, at a healthier weight for the majority of their life versus people who, and, you know, I know I'm only 26, and so when I started losing weight, I was 21, 22. So in the grand scheme of things, I know that's not a long time, but for most of my life, I was overweight, if not obese, and that does have an impact on where I am now and, you know, probably where I could go, but I also have no illusions of getting to, regionals or the games or anything anytime soon if ever that's not what I'm striving for I just want to be a better athlete and I want to keep improving on what I can do right now for me in the gym without, I mean and, you know, and, and, and to like you know I mean you know just watching you at I mean it was so so fun kind of having like this mirror you know female mirrored team you know and you guys were competing against some of the best athletes you know, around, but, you know, there was tenacity. I mean, I remember like specifically a toes to bar workout, you know, and watching you do that and, you know, the tenacity in your face, that was really cool to see, you know, that was kind of fun. Um, I think the, the other, the, the thing I'm going to sort of end on 
and it, it sort of you know is, is just like kind of expounding upon the idea of how you measure results one of the things that I don't think people focus on enough is um, I, ha I actually had a gym owner say to me you know I don't want to promote you know eat to perform because of you know the science lab off topic on Facebook which you know you don't have to send your clients to science lab off topic on Facebook but he's missing the point I think right um, what you know first of all if science lab off topic isn't your jam you're just gonna unsubscribe from the group right like like that's the thing but we all sort of want to feel part of something bigger right and so you look at the giveaways that we do I mean we're gonna give away somewhere in the neighborhood of about two hundred fifty thousand dollars this year right um, we've got you know really super sponsors um, we've got you know eat form open uh, numbers of different things that keep people occupied and what are we really trying to accomplish what we really trying to accomplish is to get them focused on exciting things that distract them from the normal bullshit that goes through your head on a daily basis right that's what all that stuff's will you know meant to do you know is make this journey exciting and I think if you're a gym owner and the focus is keeping the lights on and you know like making sure that the floor is not dirty and things of this nature and and it's not at least a little bit about barbecues it's not at least a little bit about barbell for boobs it's not a little bit about all these other things you're gonna be closing soon you just don't know it you know and you know when you look at you know I just got you know another update on the financials for what we've done and and basically eat perform through November is five times bigger than we were at 2014 like Jordy was saying when we first started it off when she first started we had seven staff members now we have you know I see I always count the people that um, are um, the games athlete the people that we sponsor as part of the team because you know I feel like a connection to them um, but you know that number is roughly 60 people now and so you know when you look at you know what it takes for your business to grow it really you know I haven't said this in a while you know and I, I emphasize emphasize this this one time but I mean think about what our customers I mean when when they're asleep Jordy is answering their questions because she lives in Australia and so they get to go back to their box and they say that my e form coach is from Australia and then she, uh, she's gonna see me in Minnesota in August right and there is just something inherently cool about that you know there's something that I think is is really important and you know you can sometimes get a little bit overwhelmed at the details take time to dream you know because it's it's really super important and you know at the end of the day you know it's nice to 
drive nice cars and it's nice to you know live in nice houses and 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 supply your family with basic needs but it's also really fun being part of something spectacular you know i've had a lot of success you know in my life eat to perform is the most successful thing that i've ever done because it not only hits the the you know the it's 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 not the most successful thing i've done financially i'll be honest with you about that you know um i've had you know some amazing success with other businesses but you know eat for eat to perform to scale well we need a lot of great people like jordy and and that's what i wanted you guys to in you know and and we'll you'll see various you know staff members that we have because i think you know it's an important thing for people to see so jordy i appreciate you taking the time to do this and we will well we'll obviously be talking in the groups um but uh and we'll see you in the forum. So I will talk to you later and we'll just shut this down right now. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Later.